0: One need at a time. One conversation at a time. One prayer at a time. One step at a time. One at a time. One at a time. That's what we believe and see in scripture that our God is about, each and every one of us, one at a time. And so we're gonna learn about that a little bit here in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn there if you wanna hang there, that's where we'll be at here in our time together. And uh, something that's kind of elevating out of what uh, our leadership has been reading and studying and praying and planning about, really over the last two years specifically, uh, as we make plans, you could say, for the next two years and beyond, uh, is this idea that we see um, this you can almost say that this mantra kind of surfacing for us, uh, this idea that we're gonna gonna talk a lot more about it this fall, uh, but it's this understanding of whatever it takes. Uh, Whatever it takes, that uh, this idea in mind that we serve a God who, when you think about it, he did whatever it takes uh, to get to us. He did whatever it takes. He sent his one and only son uh, who would give his life so that we could be given the gift of a new life. And so our thinking then is, okay, in response to that, how are we to do, you could say, whatever it takes to continue that message in our church, in our community, and around the world? As we discern, as like the church, what does that mean to do whatever it takes for his message in others' lives, that we wanna make sure we boil that down to the reality of the way in which Jesus uh, gave attention to that, and that is one person at a time. Uh, I mean, we understand that Jesus, of course, he you know, told and uh, sh- you know, with, like, like would tell and teach the masses about the love of God, but we also see in Jesus that he would take the time, that he would stop with showing and, and actually extending the love of God one person at a time, one interaction, one need at a time, one at a time. And so we understand that we then, as a church, should represent what Jesus represented. And of course, we can make the case pretty quickly uh, that it's a biblical uh, basis for that. But I'll just say personally, it's a it's a personal basis for me. Like the, like this reality is my story. Um, and I've seen I've met some of you who are guests today, and so you. you don't know my story, and some of you who've been around know some of it. And uh, that uh, I would say I, I didn't grow up doing what you're doing right now. Uh, I didn't grow up doing uh, the whole church and God thing. And so I had um, uh, some kind of some challenges in my high school uh, years. And a friend of mine, a friend by the name of Josh Chittick, he uh, kept telling me and inviting me and saying, "Hey, man, you need church. Like you need Jesus in your life. Like that is the answer to the things you are facing." And after about Literally about a year took for me to actually be convinced that I'd actually give a shot uh, to this idea that he had in mind. And what I experienced when I showed up uh, were more great friends like Josh uh, in the students in this youth group and the adults in this church. I experienced something different than what I was experiencing, you could say, uh, in the public high school when it came to the kind of relationships I was forming and learned pretty quickly that the common denominator amidst it was... Jesus. And so I um, wanted what they had. I wanted uh, to not only have what they had, but I wanted to be to others what they had. And so this idea of even accepting and following Jesus in my life was kind of blurred with even my, my kind of path to ministry, to kind of being here with you, doing what I'm doing. And that's you know, it's kind of like a, kind of a, I would say like the pretty version with a little bow on top. Um, and, and many of you have heard me kind of share this. But uh, today I wanna to give you kind of a little bit more of the rest of the story uh, that just kind of fills in the lines before you think it's this kind of romanticized understanding of how it all worked out for me. So. I came to faith as a high school kid, and it's not like I had it all figured out right away. I mean, I, I came to faith, and uh, you know, I remember an invitation like we give uh, regularly here, you know, raise your hand or come forward if you wanna talk about having a relationship with Jesus. And I remember, so Josh invited me, and my youth pastor at the time, uh, Matt Fry, uh, raised my hand, and we started meeting for uh, uh, slush pups. You guys know what a slush pup is? Uh, it's like a slushy deal, so no better way that, to get discipled than over slush pups. So there was a gas station behind the church, and a little picnic table, and so we'd get slush pups, and he, we'd, we'd look at scripture and pray, and I'd learn, according to God's word, what it looked like to follow Jesus. Uh, but again, it wasn't like I had it all figured out after a few slush pups with my youth pastor. Uh, I remember the summer uh, kind of following becoming a Christian, and it was between my sophomore and junior year, and um, we were going on this youth trip uh, as a youth group. And it was uh, one of those deals where it talks about kind of a one at a time. There was a, a, there was a need, I guess you could say, that was met in my life that uh, our family, we had just started a, a new family business. We had started an ice cream shop. We were in, we had originally from Cleveland, Ohio, where there were ice cream shops everywhere. And we had moved to Columbia, South Carolina, where there were nowhere. We thought, we're not rocket scientists, but we're thinking... Ice cream in uh, humid South Carolina could be a, a selling point. So anyway, we opened this ice cream shop, and if you get it when you kind of open a business and kind of a startup, you know, funds just aren't readily available, and so kind of all hands on deck, and uh, I, I remember this trip, so it was for me, and my, my brother came to faith as well, and I remember the cost, it was $220, uh, so 440 bucks for both of us, and my parents were like, hey, it's just not a good year for us to do that, and we understood, we got it, uh, but there were some generous people just like you uh, in the pews who uh, made that trip possible. To this day, don't know who did, and uh, to this day in this church, that's the value we have. I mean, any trip you'll hear uh, Heather, our family ministries pastor say, never let money be a reason you can't go on that trip, we'll make it happen. Uh, And so uh, one need at a time was met for me and my brother. And so I got to go on this trip, to which you think I would uh, probably behave in such a way on that trip that would exude thankfulness and gratitude and respect. Uh, But again, I'm still figuring it all out, and I was kind of a turkey, so. uh, I remember we're uh, getting ready to go on this trip. It was uh, called SCYC, the Southern Christian Youth Convention, uh, and we're we're circled up in a prayer circle before we get in the church van, like you do. And, and we're, we're getting ready to pray. And I remember there was this, this kid across the circle who's just, I was just annoying, and he was aggravating. And so he, I don't remember what was being said, but I remember what I said back. Um, and, and I said across this prayer circle before we got prayed, I said, "Shut up, blank." Now the blank was not a cuss word, I wasn't a a total like moron, I mean I understood there were certain lines we don't cross, but the thing that I did say was definitely inappropriate and uh, to make sure that I understood that, my youth leader, Tom, Tom Chumney, he's standing right next to me, he literally grabs me by the shirt and he slams me up against the church van. Now let me just remind you, this is youth ministry in the 90s. (laughs) We don't do these things with your children anymore, I assure you. And so he slams me up to the church and he's like shaking me. He's like, Brian, you can't say those things. And so I look back. We look back on those moments. We call those care uh, carefrontations, uh, <laughs> that he was showing care, this confrontation of kind of how things work. You know, it's how we learn. And so we go on this trip and uh, we had two and a half hours. I was uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, right in the middle of the state. And so we had two and a half hours east to uh, the spiritual capital of the world. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, (laughs) where all things Jesus are happening all the time. (laughs) But we're in this conference, and you you know how they got the sessions and the deal kind of throughout the day. But then kind of after hours, uh, we had free time. And our youth group, it was a good youth group. You know, we had things like rules and expectations of staying in groups and with an adult and the whole nine yards. But the other youth group across town who was also at this trip, who happened to have the girl in the youth group that I liked... They didn't have rules, and so what they did after hours is that whole youth group went to the teen dance club uh, that was there in Myrtle Beach, and so that's when I decided I don't like rules in our youth group, and I, I, I snuck out, and I end up going to this dance club, and I end up getting caught, and so I get caught, and I get kinda you know pulled back into you know, the hotel, and I'm in the room with uh, Dave Berlin. Dave was uh, another volunteer uh, youth leader um, to uh, sit me down and kinda let me know what's gonna happen. So. Uh, we're in the hotel room and it's like, you know, like the two queen bed deal. And so I'm sitting on my bed and he's sitting on the bed across from me. So kind of knee to knee, eye to eye. And I'm holding my head down because I, I know I blew it. And he, he's just like, I'm just so disappointed, Brian. Like, you know, just expected so much more from you, yada, yada. And, and you know the rules and you know the consequences. And the consequences are we got to send you home now. And he says, I was going to stand by that, but he said, but we're not going to do that. I'm not going to send you home. Uh, and here's why. He said, Brian, I see something in you, I see ministry in your future, and I believe you need to be here. I believe God wants you to be here for what he has for you in the days ahead. And he said, I'm gonna teach you about something called grace. He said, you see, grace is getting a gift that you don't deserve, and you don't deserve to be here. Uh, But I'm gonna show you grace, and you're gonna stay, because I believe you need to be here. And I wish I could tell you that after that conversation, uh, that all those sessions and all those sermons, like, you know, they were really powerful, and I'm sure they were, and I'm sure the the speakers were all great, Uh, but in all honesty, I I couldn't tell you a single thing that was said, I couldn't tell you a single person that spoke, Um, but I'll tell you this, I will never forget that sermon that I heard sitting knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye with Dave Berlin in that hotel room. And so I share that to say that the reason I'm here in front of you is because I was fortunate enough to be part of a church that had this idea in mind, like, one at a time. one friendship at a time, one invitation to church at a time, one, you know, need met at a time, one uh, carefrontation, uh, actually many care carefrontations uh, for me over those years at a time, uh, one slush pup at a time, just one step at a time uh, that I discovered who this Jesus is and what it means for us to be the church and follow him in like manner. And so, yes, that's my story, but it's also the story of Jesus, and it's the story that Jesus tells uh, in this parable that we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 15. And uh, if you're newer to the whole church thing and you don't know this story, uh, you're in for a good one. It's, it's, it's one of the best, and, and if you have heard it, um, this will be a great reminder of who our God is and what he's about. And, and so Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it's called the parable of the lost sheep, the story of the lost sheep. And before it even uh, allows Jesus to start telling the story, it makes very clear uh, in the context who it is he's talking about and who it is that is uh, present to hear what he's talking about. As it says in verse 1, it says that now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man, he, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so right out of the gate, you see a very two different Audiences uh, in front of Jesus—you've got the the sinners on one side of the room. This would have been the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Uh, I mean, like the things that they would have just might as well had sinner on their business card because uh, you could almost put it in quotes because that was the way in which they were viewed and understood by the other audience, by the religious leaders in the space, who their understanding of sinner was that they were beyond saving, beyond reach, beyond hope of changing. And we kind of see this reading between the lines, because you see these religious leaders that they're muttering, they're murmuring to themselves that, hey, this man, Jesus, he welcomes these kinds of people. And that word welcomes there in the the original Greek language that the Bible was first written in, uh, it, it kind of takes this idea of to receive someone as a friend or a family member, and so we see this is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus is about, and so thus, as his church, that's what we are to be about. But I also know that even though this is true, that this might not be true of your experience with church. Uh, that that maybe because of your story or something uh, in your past or something you know uh, that others knew in the room, that when you walked into the room that you, you kind of felt like you were in that, Sinner category. And let me just say that if you, if you had the courage to walk back into a church, I'm just so thankful that um, you're not letting someone who misrepresented Jesus uh, misrepresent who Jesus still is and could, can be for you. Um, and just want you to know and hear that the heart of this church uh, is to make sure that you know that you are welcomed, that you are family. Uh, that is the way of Jesus when you walk into this place. And I, I've heard stories, I mean, I mean, like messed up stories of people walking in and experiencing terrible things. Uh, maybe you know some of the stories. Maybe that is your story, and it's just like, ah. Um, but just knowing again that the heart of our church—not uh, just me—kind of saying, "Hey, that's what we're about." But just a story that just the other night was with a group of friends, and um, and one in the group was just sharing that that was her experience, like. She had um, kind of uh, a situation in her story that was, uh, she kind of felt like, you might as well just put the word sinner on my shirt where I, was, I felt judged, I felt like I wasn't welcomed. Um, but then I came here and she said, what I experienced here and in the people here is I didn't feel judged and I felt the grace of God and I felt uh, an experience acceptance uh, right where I was at. And, and I love what she said next. It's not like we just kind of say, you know, things don't matter. What we do doesn't matter. She said, uh, I was accepted just as I was, but I was also loved enough to not be left where I was. And, and through the grace of God and the grace of uh, people in the life of the church, uh, I, my heart has been changed and my life has been changed as a result. And so that's who our God is. He loves you enough to accept you just the way you are, but he also loves you enough not to let you stay that way, that his will, his will and his ways are the best way for your life, and he wants to show you that. And so we see this demonstrated in this parable here from Jesus. Um, and so this is the story he tells to illustrate how this is who he is. Verse three, it says, Jesus then told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a 100 sheep. Now, this is interesting, actually, because in those times, a typical herd or flock would have been anywhere between 20 and 30 sheep. So already, this is kind of like, whoa, this is a a huge flock of sheep to which you might say, man, you've got plenty of sheep. You know, why would you even worry about one? But he goes on to say, but suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses just one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, the shepherd says, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and takes him home. He goes home. And then with that, he celebrates. He calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And so Jesus, in the presence of these religious leaders, the church folk, if you will, uh, and the uh, sinners, um, reminding us that we technically are all sinners who need to be saved by his grace, He says, I tell you that in the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so according to Jesus, this is what we're to be about. This is what his church is to be about and it's been interesting this conversation that i've had with some over the years some uh kind of even asking about our church a little bit and some some if i'm honest not so much asking but almost accusing uh this idea of like hey with 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 the that many people like do do you all like really care like actually care about people and i get it like for the askers, I get it—not the accuser so much, but for those who are genuinely asking the question, I like they are saying like, "Hey, like, if I come, like, am I just going to be a name on a list? Am I just another number?" Um, and, and I get it—they're genuinely saying, I, "I see that you guys have, you know, multiple services over multiple days and, and multiple rooms," and uh, they'll ask a question like, how, "Like, how could everybody possibly know everybody?" And I, and I understand the sentiment there, but, you know, something I've come to learn and to realize is that whether a church is 20 people, you know, 120 people or, you know, 1,200 people, like not everybody in any of those settings, I've served in churches all of those different sizes, not everybody actually knows everybody. But a healthy church of any size, uh, 12 20, 20, whatever, 120, 20,000, doesn't matter, that a healthy church of any size will always make sure it's doing everything that it can to make sure that everyone does have that opportunity to be known by another, uh, to have that experience. To, uh, As we understand it, as we see it in the scriptures, we, we say it this way, that we wanna make sure that every single one of you uh, is in some sort of context where together you are growing and serving, that we say we wanna to grow together and we wanna to serve together in relationship one at a time so that together we might uh, become more devoted followers of Jesus. That in our relationships with the people we have in the life of the church, we're encouraging that ultimate relationship that we have with God. And when it comes to these things, uh, you know, I have friends in ministry that they'll, they'll kinda say something to the effect of like, well, like we, we just don't really play the numbers game. Uh, or, or they'll say something like, we're, we're, we're more into... To, to quantity, or excuse me, more into quality, not, not quantity. And, and I appreciate and I get what they're trying to say. And it, it even kind of sounds spiritual, but it's really not. Uh, and it's, it's not biblical. I mean, think about it this way. Say, say today after church, uh, a dad takes uh, five of his kids to Splash Cove, uh, and he comes home with four. And, and, and the mom says, uh, where's our fifth child? And, and dad responds, do we really wanna play the numbers game? I, I mean, did you not ask the other four about the quality of their experience at the, the park? I mean, it's just like, like it's not gonna fly. Well, wh- well, why? Because the heart of a mother, the heart of any parent is for each and every one of their children, for every child. And that's the heart of our Father. And that's that's the heart of what our church should be. And so again, uh, this whole idea of quality and quantity, uh, they're, they're, they're really not opposed to each other. We don't have to choose these things. In fact, I would prefer the words, rather than quality, we might call it health. And rather than quantity, I don't know that we're worried about that either, we would just call it a natural growth. Um, That healthy things grow. Uh, You think about maybe if you're, you know, we got farmers I know in the room. We've got, you know, if you've got a garden, I was people are handing me tomatoes like crazy this time of year. Uh, You've got flowers. You don't go to your tomato plant. You say you don't make it grow. Uh, You make sure it's healthy and naturally healthy things grow. Uh, And I just gotta say I'm thankful that I was fortunate enough to be invited to a church. Uh, where at that particular time at that church in South Carolina, Dutch Fort Christian Church, it had grown from uh, about 100 people to 300 people pretty quickly. And I'm just glad that no one stepped in at 299 uh, about when I showed up and said, hey, I I think we're good on the quantity uh, side. I think maybe we'll just kind of hold steady right here. No, it it wouldn't, that'd be ridiculous. Um, and, And so, of course, In that church, I I didn't know everyone and uh, everyone certainly didn't know me, but I knew Josh, I knew Matt, I knew Tom, I knew Dave, I knew Jim and Wendy, I knew Bert and Carol and they knew me, they knew Brian. And so what we want to do as a church over the next uh, four weeks, this week counting, uh, we want to Really, put some handles on what does it look like for us to actually do that—to you know, one at a time, help make an impact in connecting someone to Jesus. Uh, because I think what can happen is that uh, when we've been part of the the 99, if you will, for a while, it, it can be hard to remember that um, what it's like to be—I guess you could say—the one. And we have to remember that in uh, Jesus' words. But this is the equation, and you could say God's economy, that one, ironically, is greater than 99. That in God's economy, one is greater than 99. And again, as part of the 99, it can be easy to slip into this uh, kind of, you know, maybe it's kind of actually about making sure that the 99 of us are safe, and we're fed, and we're happy, and we're comfortable, but... I don't see a God in the scriptures who lets us or allows us or even encourages us to get comfortable. Uh, we were in a setting the other night where uh, a friend of, again, in, in this context, was talking about how, what he loved about the church. And uh, he said that, I-, I love that, like, he was kind of talking about this idea of, like, you know, not being, getting comfortable. He said, I-, I love that we're the kind of church that doesn't rest on its laurels. And I was like, Amen. And I thought, I have no idea what a laurel is. <laughs> I <laughs> no idea what that expression comes from. <laughs> but I knew what it meant. I, I know what it means. Uh, what he means is, of course, let's celebrate that we had 35 baptisms at the lake last week. And let's, of course, we can't wait to celebrate five more that are happening today. And yes, isn't it great that we're here and we're worshiping together and that we're growing and serving together, uh, but at the same time, let us not ever be satisfied. Let us not uh, say, okay, the 99 of us, y'all good? Okay, good, then we don't have to worry about the one We don't have to worry about, you know, the Brian Talty out there who still needs to be thrown up against a church van in the name of Jesus <laughs> to help him take the next step to know Jesus, okay? We must never forget the heart of Jesus that says, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Um, maybe another way of saying it for us is, To remember that there is going to be more rejoicing in the person who's not yet sitting next to you here this morning uh, than there will be over the 99 of us who already have a spot in the room. And so what we want to do again is just get real practical as to what this looks like. Uh, last week, if you were able to be with us, we had a, a special guest. We had Greg Taylor, and he was uh, Pastor Greg was talking about how we are Christ's ambassadors. And he had some great stories of how just pe- everyday people were kind of making that happen in their life. And uh, this idea of being an ambassador, kind of, kind of what, is that, what does that mean? It just simply means that's a representative, that we are a representative of Jesus in the places that we live, work, and play. Jesus would say it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth and and that we, that we are the light of the world. With this idea that when people get a glimpse of us, do they get a glimpse of Jesus? Or when they get a, kind of think about the idea of salt, when they get a taste of us, do they get a taste of Jesus? Colossians chapter four uh, says it this way, and this is really kind of the idea of really what we wanna leap off into for the next several weeks, that this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like for us to one at a time show the love of God, that we wanna be wise, in the way that we do this, you know, not crazy, not weirdos. We want to be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders, the way that we act toward those who are outside of the faith, and to make sure that we make the most of every opportunity that's given us when we have the opportunity one at a time to show the love of God. And so we can do that by letting our conversations just so be full of grace, uh, that it could be those conversations will be seasoned with salt that it, they get, a, again, it's like a taste of Jesus when they get a taste of you. Uh, and so that you just would learn and grow and that you may know how it is that we would answer or just how to respond to everyone. We wanna grow in wisdom and how to do this. And so such a big part of this is actually not gonna be about telling you like what to do, but honestly, in lots of ways, just kind of reminding us what you don't have to do. Um, that well, what, you don't have to you know get wrapped up in some of the fears and the overwhelm and the pressure and the angst and the anxiety that kind of comes with this idea like I got to represent Jesus or I got to you know tell them you know, I got to you know what if I don't have all the answers to their questions or and I know I don't know enough about the Bible or what if it kind of gets awkward and weird it's like we don't gotta be awkward and weird we wanna be wise in the way that we act toward those who don't know that you know and and all of this and so. Uh, Pastor Greg, he said this uh, last week, just this idea that when it comes to what God is doing in someone else's life, one at a time, uh, it was that passage where Paul says, I I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but in the end, he actually goes on and says, we're nothing. He says, it is only God that grows. It is only God that grows. And to me, that's just super liberating because it's just like, okay, God, how do you want me to plant a seed? How do you want me to water a seed today? How do you want me to be salt and light today in the life of another? And so we're gonna get, again, real practical about what that looks like and what it doesn't look like over the next several weeks, so we hope you can be a part of and make a priority learning what that will look like according to God's word. Uh, But I wanna make sure that we go from this space and this place this first day, making sure that every single one of us can do what every single one of us can and actually every single one of us should do. That when it comes to this idea of one at a time, that every single one of us can absolutely pray for one at a time we can pray for one person at a time. There's not a single person among us who can't do that. We're not, I'm not saying we have to announce it to them. It's something that maybe you can share your prayer with them, but more times than not, you might just choose to do that and trust. Uh, I love this mantra that you know when we work, sure, we work, but when we pray, God works. When we pray, we're trusting that God has worked. As other scriptures say that he's the Lord of the harvest, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to bring the harvest. So this is simply it. I would ask you to pray. Every day, Lord, who is my one at a time? That's it. Just pray that phrase. Just, God, who's my one at a time? Or what's my one at a time opportunity? It's a simple prayer. And uh, a way in which I want to encourage you to be reminded to pray this uh, in the other 167 hours in a week that you have outside of this hour together is um, on our website. We have uh, some like screen. Phone screen backgrounds uh, that you can download different colors. Uh, I love that it's free. Um, I was like, I don't think we've ever charged for anything like that before, but just in case you're wondering, it's not 99 cents, it's just free. So, anyway, go to the website, versicare.org, what's happening, and I would encourage you to make this your phone background uh, for the next four weeks. I'm not saying forever. I mean, I've tried to do this before where I put like a Bible verse or something to kind of remind me of something. And it works for a little bit, but you know, there's kind of like this. It's kind of a shelf life, like uh, eventually becomes kind of visual white noise. But I think for four weeks, uh, this could be a great way to remind us, and I'll tell you, I I put this on like four days ago, knowing this was coming, and it's already messed with me in in some good ways that I'm excited to share with you uh, in the days ahead. But go ahead and download this, put it as your backdrop, and then um, as you pick out your phone, pick up your phone, obviously uh, you'll see it on a regular basis, they say, the, the experts, they, they say, whoever they are, that we pick up our phones on average, anywhere between 100 and 150 times per day. And so that's, give or take, every 10 minutes, plus minus that, you're grabbing this, and what a great thing to be reminded of, to prompt it, that every person you see, every opportunity, just a little prayer, okay, God, what's my one at a time, or who's my one at a time? Now, if you're a person who is smart enough to keep a smartphone out of your life, congratulations. Uh, That's great, because we know he's got all kinds of problems, so we're trying to redeem it for a few weeks, but, uh, at the Welcome Center, we have just like little cards that say the same thing. So if you want to put that somewhere in your wallet or something, that kind of helps remind you in the same way. Uh, have at it. All right. So Lord, who's my one at a time? Who's my one at a time? That we can all do that, and maybe it'll lead to something. Who knows? Maybe have a conversation that'll be seasoned with salt. Maybe the saltiest thing you could do in a conversation is not say a whole lot. Maybe it's a conversation we used to do a whole lot more listening. That you might be wise in the way that you act toward another who's outside of the faith. We'll see how it plays out for us all as God leads us. Um, and so as we do that, um, I love the logo, by the way, that all the like the letters are different, the font is all weird, uh, because I think we all have kind of our own weird So We all have different backgrounds. It just represents the uniqueness that we have as we move into, again, every story is unique, every opportunity is unique. Lord, who is my one at a time? All right, and so... As we kind of wrap up the time that I have with you here in the sermon portion, uh, I recognize that a lot of times in church we can talk a lot about prayer, but then not actually pray. It's like, that seems kind of silly. So I actually wanna take some time just to do that. I wanna pray for you in the places that you're gonna you know, live, work, and play in the days ahead. And quite specifically, because what we know is coming down this week, I wanna take some time specifically uh, for those of you who uh, work with kids, who are our teachers, our administration, our coaches, our faculty, staff, janitors, bus drivers, the whole nine yards. So if, if that's you, like you get paid at some level to have to put up with kids like me, uh, would you just stand up here in the room and stay standing? I wanna pray for you, so go ahead and stand. Come on, coach, I know you got to Get us started, that's right, there we go. It always takes one. Thank you all for what you do. Stay standing, stay standing. Because the truth is, if a lot of us did what you do, we'd go to jail, so thank you for doing <laughs> what you do. And then with us, if you are a, uh, a volunteer in our church, in our student life ministry, our First Kids, or our Club 305 after school program, would you also stand? Because uh, And uh, if, if we pay you at the church to do these things too. Yeah, let me, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna pray for you, and then with that, uh, I'm gonna have all the kids and parents stand up because we know it's just as big a deal for kids. Stay standing, everyone. We're all gonna stand by the time it's all said and done, so don't worry about it. It's it's gonna be an all all skate here soon. Uh, So all the kids, parents. All right, let me pray for you all as you guys go into this week, and then we'll get the rest of us standing here. All right, Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for the reality of the people in this place who have given their life uh, to pour into the next generation. As Pastor Wayne said a couple of of weeks ago, that we wanna make sure that we are here doing what you've called us to do for the next 189 years unless you come first. We're game for either. So Father, in the life of these, these teachers and the faculty and staff and those who are in the life of these students, you know there's legislature that says we can't do prayer in school and yada yada, but we know that as long as these people, these folks that you've placed there are in the school, there's gonna be prayer in the school. There's gonna be you, uh, them looking to you to work through them, to find what's that one at a time, who's that kid on this day or this student or that coworker that, that needs to get a taste of you through their role in their lives. And so God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be strong with them going into this year as you lead them wisely in the way that they follow you and represent you. God, we pray for our parents who kind of let our kids go into these settings and God, for all the students, who, let's be honest, there are so many identities and pressures and the audiences and people we're trying to please and impress and all that garbage that goes with just kind of being a, a kid. God, over every student, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you remind them that the only identity they need to worry about is their identity in you and that they don't have to worry about it, they get to live in it, that they can live their life for you, an audience of one. And just the, the good news that that is, as they try to figure out how to navigate what it looks like to represent you and to follow you uh, in their settings in school, God. And so with that, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand as we continue to pray. As we all, again, we'll go into Monday morning to someplace that's not this building probably, okay? Lord Jesus, it says in Colossians 3 that um, there's this good news that whatever we do, that whatever our work, whatever we're called to, um, that we don't have to do that for man um, but that my, we might work or do whatever it is you've called us to do maybe we're retired maybe even maybe we're still stuck at home like we can't do a whole lot God and we know that this week we're reminded that we are all able to step into the ministry of prayer that when we work we work but when we pray you work and so for each and every one of us would you show us and reveal to us over again the next 167 hours walking out of this space how it is that you want us to be salt and light to just one person at a time just like you did for each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. All right, well, we're gonna sing in response to what God has done in us and who he is. It's a great song that represents us, but I would be amiss that before I stop talking, um, you know, you, you might be here, and we've talked a lot about us being the 99 in the room, but uh, I recognize it. Just like me, one day, uh, I was the one who was just hanging out with the 99 and if that's you and you recognize, man, I have not you know, let the shepherd put me on his shoulders and take me home into a relationship with him, then just know that before you leave this place, uh, I'll be the last to leave, I'll be up here at the front of the room, and so as everyone kind of makes their way out, uh, I'd encourage you to make your way down front, and we could talk about what that looks like. Again, for the one who gave his life so you could be a one in the family of God amidst the mess of us. So we can't wait to have that conversation, but let's all, again, give him credit where credit is due as we worship him for who he is, and what he's about. And so we just sing with us.